Hi. Uh, welcome to episode 22 of the I Want to Party with Bob podcast. This episode, we're going to be talking about Tilt Wheel and the history of the band Tilt Wheel. This is part five of the Tilt Wheel history, actually. Uh, the continuation of the year 2000, one of Tilt Wheel's biggest years, one of the years we did kind of the most stuff, did a lot of touring. Uh, specifically in this one, we're going to be talking about our tour to England in August of 2000. Also, 2000 was fairly a bittersweet year for Tilt Wheel. It was the end of an era, really, because we lost Ross. Ross uh, quit, you know, shortly after we got home from the the tour of England. And yeah, I gotta say, you know, here right at the right at the get go, uh, it, it, things have never been the same since Ross left. So he came back though. And that's great. And hopefully he's going to come back again because he just moved back to San Diego. I'll touch on that later. What I want to do first, though, I do want to get something out of the way. Uh, this is important to me. I need to correct something that I said in a podcast recently. Now, episode 19 dealt with the history of the Misfits, right? The early years and everything. And I was talking about the drummer that was playing the the last drummer that played with the Danzig only Doyle version of the Misfits and it was brought to my attention by my buddy Dale uh, that's designated Dale of Razor Cake he's also plays drums in a band called Latoya based out of LA Los Angeles that is now he brought that to my attention because he's buddies with Scotty from Verbal Abuse so and he did not think that the information I presented was correct. I'm and Dale. Thank you very much for bringing this to my attention. So I said, you know, there's a guy named Brian Damage or Brian Keats that was the the last drummer of that Danzig, Jerry Only, and Doyle version of the Misfits. And apparently, that's not. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not. That was the guy's name, but the claim was, and the research that I did indicated that he was a drummer in a band called Verbal Abuse. And apparently that is not true. So according to Dale, uh, he didn't think it was true. So he checked it out. He texted or emailed his buddy Scotty from Verbal Abuse, who was one of the singers of the band. And Scotty told him, no, we never had a drummer by that name, not Brian or anything, period. So it must have been another you know, Verbal Abuse that was active in the Midwest or something, because that's where this guy is from. Uh, apparently, I don't know, you know, but and Dale and I were going back and forth the other night trying to figure out who, like, where did this come from? Who is this guy? Like, what? Well, he's in a bunch of other bands, a band called Genocide and a few other things, but, you know, there were a lot of references on a lot of different websites that he was in a band called Verbal Abuse. It must have been some weird little band that didn't do much, not the main punk rock band of Verbal Abuse. Uh, like VA rocks your liver. V verbal abuse is great too. I love verbal abuse. But anyway, yeah, yeah. There you go. What just wanted to straighten that out. You know, that's important to me because I do try and keep things um, true. Everything I say, I you know, whenever I'm trying to state like a, some kind of a historical reference or fact or something like that or telling a story, truth is very important to me. I got to say that in this day and age of you know non-truth from um, certain political parties. I'm you know, not going to name any names. Trump, Republicans. Um, there you go. <coughs> <coughs> fucking say it out loud. Sing it. I do. I'll fucking all the time, dude. Those guys are full of shit. Like, they lie about 
fucking everything, man. And they'll say, well, both parties are the same. No, they're not, dude. Just fucking, you know what? Because you believe their lies, you that doesn't give you an excuse to say, you know, both parties are the same. They all lie. Yeah, 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 yeah. One lies a lot less than the other. I'll tell you that, you know, it's not a perfect uh, other party being the Democrats for sure. There's not a perfection there. But, you know, your old white fucking pieces of shit lie for a living literally lie about every those you know those guys all those white old republican fucking pieces of trash they don't love jesus bro take it from me i know i know because i'm an expert on everything absolutely everything they do not love jesus they love your money and they love your vote so there you go uh political rant over thank you dale designated dale of razor cake fame for uh, straightening me out. I do appreciate it. No, and I'm totally serious. That No tongue-in-cheek, no nothing intended there. I really do appreciate being, you know, called to task for saying something that may or may not have been true. So, cool. No, it's great. Dale's a good dude, too, man. I love the guy. He's awesome. He's awesome. So, yeah, the next thing we're going to talk about uh, real quick is the band that we're going to have at the end of the podcast, which is typical. Now, at the very beginning of the podcast, that was but a snippet of the song 207 AM by Tilt Wheel. That song was on the split seven inch that we did with Southpaw of England um, on the Mother Stoat record label who put out Hairbrain Schematics in 1999 in Great Britain. So uh, that was kind of our tour split that we did with them, and 207 was our one song that was on that split. And I have, I have it right here. I'll post pictures of the split, you know, and all that good stuff. But um, that was a song at the very beginning of the podcast. Get that out of the way. The song that's going to appear at the very end has a pretty special meaning for me because it's, it's a song by a band called Medication. Now, Medication was Dickie Hammond. Uh, Graham Philskirk, and they're both from Sunderland, England. Uh, they are both members of Leatherface as well. The other members of the band are from Quebec, can or I'm sorry, Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And those guys were Hugo, Fred, and Julian, um, all of the St. Catherine. So it's kind of a little bit of a super groupy kind of thing. You know, medication is fantastic. The song I'm going to play is Stalingrad, and it's a song that Dickie. Uh, sang and played on obviously you know being a member of the band it's a very bittersweet song it's very sad I'll post the video on the podcast page because I just figured out how to do that actually how to post like YouTube videos on my webpage, like embed them under like the podcasting and it's oh it's tight now so get get ready because I'm gonna post like YouTube videos all the fucking time now guaranteed but it is a that's a real a very special song for me and I'll tell you why. It's one of the last things Dickie Hammond ever recorded. And Dickie, we met on this tour of England in August of 2000. And we all basically became lifelong friends with him. He even eventually became a member of Tilt Wheel, though very long distance as he didn't live in the States. He still lived in England, more or less. Um, he did spend some time with his girlfriend, who is also a very good friend of all of ours, uh, Siobhan, in Buffalo, New York. So... Um, yeah, that's just a little side note, but we'll talk a little bit about Siobhan later too because she's kind of important to the whole Dickie story and all our connection with him and everything like that. So 
It's pretty bittersweet. I mean, you know, he's he passed. He passed October 30th of 2015. And it, I, I just got to say the world has not been the same since then. My world hasn't for sure. So um, we'll get to that at the end. But the song is Stalingrad by the band Medication. Very end of the podcast. Listen for it. It's an absolutely fabulous song. So thanks a lot, Graham. Uh, Phil's Kirk of also Little Rocket Records put the medication record out. He gave me permission to use the song on the podcast. Now, we were supposed to uh, do like a little mini interview, Graham and I, for this. I ran out of time, to be honest with you. I just, I'm like totally crunched for time because I crammed this, you know, a, kind of unprofessional of me to say this, but... I crammed three podcasts in this week because I'm going to be gone for Fest when this podcast comes out, Fest in Florida, which is fabulous. Like, I need the mental health break. You know, it's like I'm taking basically a mental health break right now in my life, more or less, and it's going to be really, really good for me to do that. So this week has been gnarly because this is the third podcast I've done in like four days or something like that. But this is good. I'm really excited to talk about England because that was Japan, now Japan, which we did in May of 2000, was fantastic. That was such an incredible, great time. England was a whole different kind of great, but oh my gosh, yeah, so, so great. So a little about Graham, let me tell you what I do know about him. He's also a friend. I saw him recently at Punk Rock Bowling in Vegas. So then we spent, you know, a couple hours talking while we were eating dinner and stuff like that. Fantastic guy as well. Um, Graham, Phil Skirt played bass with Dickie Hammond in Leatherface, like in the, the very last kind of incarnation of Leatherface. Um, so they are, they were friends. Dude, Graham is such a great guy. He is awesome. I love him. Um, I met him for the first time very briefly. Like the Leatherface was out here doing a tour in the United States and Davey of Tilt Wheel was their tour manager. So he was like, you know, in charge of the tour drove them to every show all across the country, that kind of thing. And I went over to Davies for some reason one afternoon, and there's Graham downstairs at Davies' house playing video games, and Frankie's sitting there, like, playing guitar or something. And he's all, Bob, there's Graham. Hey, Graham. Hi. Hello. You know, broke. And that was <laughs> that was basically it. That's the first time I met him. But we've talked several times through the years, you know, via email and Facebook and yada, yada finally got a chance to hang out with him for a while in Vegas uh, earlier this year in May at Punk Rock Bowling in Vegas and it's fantastic I love the dude man he's a great great guy so I'm really really glad that uh, Graham and I talked about this briefly you know I didn't I haven't gotten his reply yet on the questions I was going to ask him for this podcast but I wanted to say a few words about him for sure I do want to say this for sure he is my next uh, interview other than the interviews that I have kind of set up to do at Fest right now. I um, Hopefully I'm going to come back with a few interviews from Fest. That's the plan. But Graham is going to be my next like, you know, big main interview because that dude has done a lot of stuff. Like he did, did a pretty long term in Leatherface. So Leatherface, come on, Leatherface, you guys, duh, right? That's what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. So, you know, like I said, uh, the I'm totally rushing this podcast a little bit, and I hope it comes out okay. I think it will because I, I, you know, when I do these, I go down this gnarly like memory lane where it's I'm just I'm hitting and okay, remember oh we were here oh shit this happened oh, 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 oh this happened oh whoa well, like right that you know 
so I, I kind of crammed this one in, but I think I got definitely the basics. I'll miss maybe a couple things here and there, but I do believe I got pretty much everything. And, oh, you know, the other note I wanted to say, sadly, there is no burrito question on this one. So we cannot find out from Graham just yet where his favorite burrito is. If he even likes burritos, he might not. You know, in England, supposedly, supposedly, they have really terrible food. Hmm. Well, I don't know about that. We're going to get into that just a little bit because on this one, one thing I'm going to do is dispel some of the rumors that have gone around, especially in the United States, about people from Great Britain. Okay, and also, I'm going to throw in a couple little very interesting tidbits about maybe misconceptions or something like that, or just an interesting fact or two about England and Great Britain in particular, but particularly England. England is part of Great Britain. I said that backwards. Thank you. So, yeah, we're going to do that through the podcast. That's pretty good, I think. I, I uh, let's, uh, let's move on to England first. Tonight is brought to you once again by the, the fine people of Boatswain Brewing. It's not Bo- Boatswain Brewing, actually. It's Trader Joe's, some bullshit company they have or something. Then the Chocolate Stout, you know, uh, $4.99 a six-pack. Stout brewed with cocoa powder, 5.4% alcohol. Yeah, well, fuck it. It's beer. It's good. And it's five bucks for a six pack. So you can't go wrong. Cheers, mate. That was some good. uh, Oh, yeah. Goddamn. That stuff is really good for five bucks. Dude, five bucks. You know what that normally buys you now? Jack shit. That's what you buy. Here, that buys you jack fucking shit. You can barely get. I don't need, can you even get a burrito? The burrito, I eat bean and cheese burritos like left and right. And yeah, are they even, they're not even, they're more than five bucks now. Yeah. yeah. Listen to the old man complaining about the prices of shit. Great. Let's move on to England. So we flew uh, from San Diego to Gatwick Airport in London. That was about a 12 hour flight. Now, like I said on the Japan podcast, I, I'm not the biggest fan of flying. So, I don't remember much from that flight. I was so zonked on Xanax, like I was fucked. I don't, yeah. I I remember going through customs in London and like talking to the guy about, hey, is it okay? I brought a carton of cigarettes into the country with me, so I would. You can bring as many ciggies as you want in here. You know, I, he didn't sound like the chimney sweep from Mary Poppins. Oh fuck, get ready, Ugh, yeah. get ready for some bad, bad like British voice impersonations tonight because oh it's coming it's i can feel it like bubbling out of my stomach up through my throat getting close to my vocal cords for for sure it's like brewing inside of me oh god it's like acid reflux but it's like a bad british accent just coming up out of my ass up into my vocal body yeah oh here we go yeah i didn't like flying back then so i did i had to zonk myself out on xanax uh we were excited for this tour. Let me tell you why. That we were heading to the homeland of all all of our mutual uh, favorite band, Leatherface, and we knew that Dickie Hammond was going to be our sound guy for the majority of this tour. Um, it was only eight shows in about I think sixteen days, so we had a lot of time off, um, which I'll talk about what we did in that time off later. 
which is kind of bad juju for us to do what we did. But, well, it worked, I don't know, it worked out fine. We had a great time. Uh, yeah, we were ecstatic. Or we're like, oh, God, I hope we, you know, maybe we'll see the bench that Frankie sat on. You know, it's like, well, we're going to hang out with Dickie Hammond. So, well, whoa, fuck yeah. You know, the good stuff. We were stoked. Uh, we were doing a bunch of shows also with one of Dickie's bands, the, the band he was currently in, which was Fatty Jones. And later they became just the Jones. I'd look them up. I will, I should post a link for sure. At least a YouTube link to one of their songs. I love a little bit later uh, than this era, but the Jones or Fatty Jones were a phenomenal band. Great. The drummer's awesome. Like he's so good. And that dude, well, you will talk about him more later, but yeah, yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself for sure. Yeah, it was definitely some hero worship stuff. Like, oh my God, Dickie Hammond at Leatherface is going to be our sound guy on this tour. Woo, Dickie's going to work for us. How strange the world is. Well, that turns out it, he, he did, but it was, uh, he did do sound for us pretty much the whole time, but it was more of um, a let's drink with Dickie kind of thing, which was actually worked, was a lot better. So, so we landed at Gatwick, and uh, Justin Bishop, the the guy who ran the Mother Stowe record label, picked us up at the airport, and he, um, he, like I said, yeah, yeah, he put out the British version of Hairbrain Schematics on his label. So the first thing I noticed leaving the airport, and we're driving to Justin's house in a town called Cranley, a pretty small town. Just, you know, about an hour outside of London, and Gatwick's a little bit outside of London, so it wasn't too long of a drive, maybe like 40 minutes or something like that. The first thing I noticed was, you know, they drive on the wrong side of the goddamn road in that country. Ha ha, I bet you knew, <coughs> excuse me, I bet you knew at some point I was going to dad joke it up with that bullshit, right? Well, I kind of had to, but well, yeah, of course I, know, I knew that um, before, I'm sure I did, I must have... Um, I did notice, though, this very interesting thing. The roads we were driving on were really narrow and kind of windy through the countryside. And the English people drive very fucking fast on these gnarly... I was like, oh, shit. He had like a Volkswagen Scirocco or something like that. Remember that? They were like a little hatchbacky kind of car. And, um, you know, steering wheels on the wrong side of the car. But I could say, hey, dude, it, fuck, your steering wheel's broken, man. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not, yeah. Um, yeah, they drive really goddamn fast. I was pretty Xanaxed up still, so I was kind of like, cool, whatever. The other thing I noticed was it was in the middle of the day, and it was fucking cold. I put my jacket on. I was like, oh, damn. Like, it was like 55 degrees or something like that. What the, whoa, did we, are we going on tour in Antarctica, or is this England? Like, no, it was fucking cold. And we just came from San Diego in August, where it was like 80 degrees when we left, you know, when we flew out at like 6 a.m. on a Monday or something. So, yeah. So, um, hey, let's get to our first uh, little interesting fact about England and Great Britain. Now, why do you think the British drive on what we here in the United States call the wrong side of the road? Well, of course, in the United States, we say, oh, it's the wrong side of the road. No, it's not the wrong side. It's a different side of the road that we drive on, you fucking yokel. Yeah. No, why did why do the British drive on the left side of the road? Okay. I researched it. And it totally makes sense. Now, it, this the reason why they do that goes back to the Middle Ages, okay? People would walk or ride a horse or, you know, 
riding a carriage or however whatever however the fuck they got around back then on the left side of the road back then because back in the middle ages roads through england were dangerous a lot of bandits a lot of bad guys around right so since most people are right-handed one of the reasons they're on they would cruise on the left side of the road on their left side no matter which way they're going right was so they could pull their sword out quick and defend themselves like rapidly like somebody's going to come at you from your right side boom oh you got it yeah right that's why that is why isn't that a trick that's interesting also the other thing is um you know Britain and France has not had the greatest relationship through the ages now they have a decent one until Brexit happens and World War fucking 3 starts again you fucking morons um yeah sorry another political side note but um the French drove on the right side of the road like we do here in the United States so the British were kind of like um yeah we're going to we're going to do the opposite of whatever those assholes do because the fuck them Base. Oh, and also um, Germany did the same thing. And as Hitler conquested his fucking lame ass all through Europe, he also made them change which side of the road they drove on. And it's ended up sticking in most places. So there you go. Um, yeah. So good. Thank you, Great Britain, for maintaining, you know, your your safety version of driving uh, while everyone else maintains the Hitler Nazi way of driving method of driving. Oh, and the other thing was why does the United States and we have ever since our inception, even with horses and blah, 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 walk, ride on the right side of the road. Also a giant fuck you to great Britain saying we want to do things opposite of them. Uh huh. Yeah. We're great. Uh, yeah. National health service. Anybody? It may not be perfect, but it's better than paying eight hundred fucking dollars a month for some bullshit medical coverage. I don't want to, this to turn political because now I'm getting mad, and it's like, God damn it! I, let's be happy because that was a very happy time in my life. I had, and now is too, really. Um, but yeah, we're here to talk about a happy, good time we had. So let's stop talking about Hitler and the fact that we have fucking bullshit medical law. Yeah, fuck. Anyways. So, yeah, go USA. So we get to uh, Justin's house in Cranley, uh, met his wife, Helen, a fantastic person. I still talk to her on Facebook from time to time. Justin is not on Facebook, by the way. Um, he's anti, which is fine. And also uh, Justin's best mate, Andy. And they're all fantastic people. And uh, from there, we made our first of many trips to the pub. That should just be our motto for this tour should have been like basically to the pub because that's pretty much kind of all we did you know oh there's big ben oh let's fuck let's go to the pub oh look oh the queen's just walk no 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 we're on our way to the pub we don't have time to stare at the queen yeah that's kind of dangerous territory for uh tilt wheel is when there's a where there's a pub like on every street corner oh yeah and we did spend a lot of time in the pubs. And there was a pub, like, literally right around the corner from the house we were staying in, kind of throughout this whole tour in Cranley, this little tiny town. Uh, the pub that we went to the most was the pub right around the corner from Justin's house, and it was called the Little Park Hatch, and that's in Cranley, England. Uh, the, that was kind of our home base for a lot of the tour, honestly. 
Did you know too about let's talk pubs real quick. Did you know that you don't have you don't tip in England? Our first night there, we were getting shit housed in the little park hatch of Cranley, and I kept leaving pound coins. Then they didn't have pound notes; they actually they were coins, one pound. Um, kept leaving pound coins on the bar, and I'd come back to get a beer. You know, five minutes later, uh, <coughs> yeah, because well, yeah, we were putting them away. Um, I'd leave pound coins on the bar and walk away, and come back like a little bit later and go, oh my fucking my pounds still here oh maybe they didn't catch it yet so i'd leave enough it got up to like four pounds you know and i was like what the fuck and justin's like no no you don't what are you doing i was like well i'm leaving him a tip don't you tip your bartender here no no you know what's tipping no you don't leave tips here no oh fuck give me those four bucks back then shit so yeah you don't tip in england uh that's interesting they huh you know we'll get political again maybe the people that work in bars actually make a livable wage isn't that an an interesting concept you pay people a livable wage and uh give them free health care and they're not fucking destitute on gofundme when they have a goddamn toothache for you know on gofundme so they can afford to buy fucking band-aids right uh, okay uh, usa usa fuck you okay uh let's get back to england again yeah no tipping also the pubs now, this I, I didn't like about England was the pubs closed at 11 p.m. You barely get your party started. You got to start drinking early. Oh, and we did. Oh, yes, we sure did. We sure did. Um, yeah, the, um, the, the children are allowed in pubs in England. Did you know that? This pub, the Little Park Hatch, had a playground and a goddamn petting zoo. In the backyard area of the pub. It was like an old house, right? That they converted into a pub or whatever. Uh, the owner's name was Bruce, by the way. We got to know Bruce pretty well. I have a picture of him. You know, it'll be up, I'm sure. Like I always say, and then I always forget. So hold me to it if you don't see a picture of Bruce, Davey, Ross, and I uh, on the webpage, okay? Email me. To, yeah, you guys won't do that. Nobody ever fucking does that. That's cool. Yeah, only a very few people call me out on anything. I need help. Um, that's uh, this is a cry for help saying you guys when I say something and I don't do it I need somebody to say hey Bob you forgot to oh shit yeah okay I'll, I got it yeah I'm just asking for a little help I'm reaching out you know via the podcast wrong thing to do probably but yeah anyway so that's pretty interesting right I mean you can take your kids to the pub now they can't really drink I mean if they were saying like the people that we were hanging out with in England were saying well if you're a teenager, you they'll give you a beer, but you can't sit there and get fucked up, you know. But it's kind of a family thing, you know. There's only like one pub in in if it's a small town, there'll be like one pub. Yeah, go out for lunch on a Sunday. Mom and dad have a beer, whatever. You eat lunch. Kids playing on the playground. It's great. I mean, we have moved towards that a little bit with like the kind of um, tasting room thing or whatever, which is cool. I don't know. It's good. So, yeah, it's it's pretty good. So, uh, that first night we were there, we drank at the pub till you know the late late hour of eleven p.m. Went back to Justin's house. Davey and I busted out the bottle of Bushmills that he brought with us, and completely got fucked up. I puked and passed out. So, welcome to England. Tilt wheel is here. Okay, throwing up on my first. Yeah, good deal. Good deal. The uh, the next stop in our little adventure our little romp through jolly old England 
our first show was in London, and it was in a neighborhood. I believe it was in the neighborhood called Kensington. I'm not 100%. I don't have a flyer for the show. I don't have any real information. I don't remember the name of the venue. I have every venue's name and location except for this one. So I'm going to roll with it. I think it was in Kensington, which is a, kind of an area part of London. So um, that's where we first met all the boys in the Duvals, which is a band that we were going to play almost all all the shows on this tour except for one where we did Davy and Ross did like an acoustic thing, right? That's coming up later. Um, so we met them. Um, the, we're Cranley, you know, it's only about an hour outside of London. Even with traffic, it really wasn't a bad drive or whatever. So we drove out, we drove across the Tower Bridge to get to where the t-shirts for the tour were. Saw a little bit of London. Cool. Yeah. Definitely culture shock. Saw one McDonald's. One. And we would pass by this McDonald's like every time we went to London. Maybe there were like 50 of them. And they all looked exactly the same. Huh. It's like a twilight zone of McDonald's. I was like, oh, there's that fucking McDonald's again. Like drive faster. Get that thing. I don't ever want to see mcdonald's ever again anyway yeah um so we got our shirts for the tour we go to the venue where we're gonna play uh they actually fed us like a big pot of spaghetti for all the bands uh here's here's our introduction to the duvals uh andy is the singer and played guitar a gentleman by the name of umby played guitar as well uh, howie was on bass and stewart was on drums and this first time we met Dickie Hammond, too, he was doing sound for us on at this show. So, uh, yeah, we got pretty drunk there. Um, you know, this is going to definitely be a theme that will continue on with this one for sure through pretty much the whole podcast. Uh, what did we do in England? Well, we got, uh, like they say, we went on the piss. That's how they say, like, you went out and got drunk. Uh, oh, what? what's, is he, how's he, is he okay? Oh, no, he's pissed. I was like, oh, is he mad? No, 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 that means he's drunk. So when you go out drinking, you, you say, I'm going to go on the piss or we're going on the piss. And if you are drunk, you say, oh, fuck, mate, I'm pissed. Yeah, that's kind of hard slang for me to get. A, I keep going, man, why is this guy so mad? Oh, he's wasted. That's why. No, no, they're just saying he's drunk as shit. So, yeah, that happened to us a lot. Um, that night we had all of our special Japanese uh, head towels that we brought from Japan you know, specifically for this tour because we got used to the fact of using them because it was nice. It kept the sweat out of your eyes. You could dry yourself off. Dude, it was awesome. I lost mine. I think Davey probably lost his. I don't know. We got drunk. It, sh it shit. There's like 10 people at this show. We're like, oh, great start to the tour. Who cares? It was fun. We met Dickie. We were having a fucking blast for sure. So, um, yeah, Dickie did. I do remember it was pretty funny. Like the other guys in the Duvals were like, why do they all have those towels? And Dickie had been to Japan, I think, like two or three times with Leatherface before that. And he had to say, oh, hey, it's it's like a Japanese working class thing where, you know, you use these towels. It kind of shows that you're a member of the working class. Um, and that's it. You know, it's like a working class pride thing. So he kind of explained that to the other guys. So we, we drive back to Justin's the next morning. Uh, we got up. And we had a little bit of a drive. I think it was like a four-hour drive or so to a little town called uh, Torquay. Now, here's the first. This is also kind of a first for us in England is that the you pronounce some of the town's names differently than they appear 
when written. Okay, Torquay is spelled T-O-R-Q-U-A-Y. How, as, you know, a citizen of the United States of America, how would you pronounce that? Let me ask you. Torquay, right? When you go, oh, Torquay, what an interesting name for a town. No, they say it Torquay. Okay, good, whatever. I'm not, you know, a stickler for little things like that. Now, Torquay is a seaside town. At, you know what? This is, again, I'm going to just restate it. England's fucking cold in August. Like that whole day. We're all wearing jackets and long pants. In the middle of the day, you know, this town is like kind of a resorty kind of town on the beach. And we get there a little early, so we walk down to the beach. And, oh, there are people out like lawn bowling, sitting on lawn chairs on the beach. I'm like, man, you motherfuckers know it's like 55 degrees out here right now. I'd be at home with the heater on normally if it's this cold. And, like, they're out there in shorts, you know, their little, like, lawn bowling suits doing that shit. Yeah, I England's cold. I love it, though. Oh, God, I would take that over this stupid heat any day of the week for sure. Uh, we went to a place, a little shop, and I was introduced to uh, pasties. Again, it's a weird pronunciation thing because it looks like it should say pasties, P-A-S-T-I-E-S. And what, what a pasty is, when they first said it, Dickie goes, well, let's go get a pasty. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, or we're going to go get some spaghetti. Okay, cool, some pasta. All right, sounds I go, wait, no, these are like giant Hot Pockets because that's what a pasty is. It's like a fucking giant Hot Pocket that's actually good, that tastes good. You can get like ham and cheese, like all kinds of crazy, like cheese and onion, all kinds of crazy stuff. Pasties are rad. If you ever get a chance to have like a true British pasty, go for it because they are fucking really, really good. They're like... Basically like little pies almost. The British do like their pie in various forms, don't they? They truly do. They truly do. But posses are great. So the show that night was at a, a pub. Again, a pub, 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 pub. We were pubbing it up already. It's Here we go. A little pub named The Parrot. Um, we had a pretty long ride home that night. We played with the Duvals for the first time. Or Sorry, I'm, Jesus, I'm getting lost already, you know. What it, where am I? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here I am. Oh, okay, good, good. Uh, yeah, we had a, a played with the Duvals again that night. Had about a four-hour ride home. Um, that was kind of rough. Now, our driver was a pretty interesting fellow. Now, that, that was Stuart, the drummer of the Duvals, his brother, Paul. Paul was a rad, rad dude. Paul was like a roadie and driver also for Snuff, for the band Snuff. Uh, he t- drove them all across the United States. He drove them all over Europe. He was That was kind of what he did for a living, more or less, and that's what he was doing on this tour, too. Paul was like a... Um, he, that dude was a character. He was a character. We'll talk more about Paul because there were some encounters with some people with Paul where I thought for sure he was going to get beat up, but he didn't. That's how... When Paul would, would go on the piss, Paul was fucking hilarious but some people didn't appreciate his sense of humor we all did for sure because it was right up our alley a hundred percent yeah paul's rad so paul's our driver we're in like a sprinter van kind of thing all of us crammed in there and yeah great to have him because he was he was super rad now that brings us to interesting fact uh, number two of the podcast did you know in england at the time we when we were there in the year 2000 um the most 
of the places we stayed did not have showers. They had bathtubs. Do you know how hard that is of a transition? Like on tour, I try and shower every day because I play drums. I sweat my ass off. I can't take the being stinky thing, dude. It's not for me. Other people can handle it and deal with it. Not me. I feel like trash unless if I take a shower in the morning when I get up, you know, whatever. Um, there, there were only bathtubs. Oh, my gosh. Like, that was hard to get used to. I don't take baths. I take showers, you know. Um, yeah, I don't drop, like, a bath bomb in and a glass of wine kind of thing. Though, nothing wrong with that whatsoever, but that's just not me. And, yeah, I had to get used to it because we were there for, like, two and a half weeks. And uh, now Justin in Justin had a shower in his house. He had a shower head adapted to his bath with a really kind of chintzy like shower screen that I had no idea how to use the first uh, morning we were there. And I got water all over his floor and pissed him off. I'm sorry, Justin, about that. Um, I was really hungover. I don't, I don't do well taking showers when I'm really hungover either. By the way, uh, there was a time at Mike Bruno of Iron Sheik. We stayed at his house a couple of years ago and I fucking basically like flipped out of his shower like slipped on the edge and basically flipped and yeah I don't do good with hungover shower so Justin I apologize uh for getting the floor of your bathroom an inch of water for me not knowing how to take a shower in it yeah um, side note oh yeah yeah this is a good one actually on our way to Torquay driving through the English countryside we were driving through what is apparently like apple country and where they make a very traditional, tra- I struggled with that, traditional uh, form of cider called a scrumpy. Now, a scrumpy is a cider, an apple cider, a, a liquor, you know, for sure. It's alcoholic. Anyway, um, there was a brand of cider actually called Scrumpy Jack that we drank all the time when we were there. And I don't even really like cider that much. But, oh, yeah, I got fucking pissed on Scrumpy Jack a lot. It was pretty good, and yeah, that's a very traditional way of them making this apple cider. Is it's called a scrumpy? This this very particular way of making it, and they do stick to tradition a lot out there, which is cool. It go, dates back centuries, right? They also had um, a cider there that Ross and Davy partook of. I think I had like a sip of it, but called White Lightning, uh, sold in a two liter bottle for like you know I don't know three bucks, and when Ross had some of it one time, and I think Justin said, well, what are you doing with that? He was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to drink it. You know, it was cheap. It's like, oh, God, only like, only derelicts drink that shit. Oh, Justin, this is Tilt Wheel. Okay. Yeah, this is what we do. Um, we're not exactly the finest examples of humanity out there. That's for sure. Uh, white Lightning. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, by the way, the English countryside, the whole country is absolutely beautiful. It's so green and trees. And, dude, oh, yeah. Driving through, like, wow. What, the cities are, I love, God, I love England. It's such a beautiful place. It really is. It's so green and just hedges and trees. And, oh, man, it's beautiful. But that's, we did learn that was our first long drive through the country, countryside in England. So, yeah. So the next day um, after the Torquay show, we had that day off. We didn't have another show until the 5th. 
Um, our first show was on the second, then we played on the third in Torquay. And um, this that kind of begins, we had several days off when we were in England, and that was good and bad. Uh, because we would basically end up going to the pubs and drinking like all day and all night, more or less. And then another interesting fact about pubs, they have slot machines in a lot of their pubs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Legal gambling. Oh, yeah. And they call them the fruits. Why do they call them the fruits? Think. Think for a minute. Think. Because you pull the thing or hit the button. Pull the thing, Dave. Yeah. Just anyway, it's going back to throw mama from the train on this one. Um, you pull the lever on the side or hit the button. And, you know, they're fruits. Lemon, apple, orange, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. So there's legalized gambling in England in almost every pub had a fruit machine in it. So, yeah. So that's what we that's where we spent most of our time, honestly, uh, was in the pub. So yeah, little park hatch, here we come. That's I think what we did. And we also Justin had a copy of The Phantom Menace, which had just come out and it hadn't it was not out in the United States yet. So he had a copy of it though, and we would fucking sit there on his couch and on his floor and just watch that movie over and over and over again. And But first, we had to do, okay, British TV in the morning. They have the raddest morning shows, like kids' shows, right, where they play like cartoons maybe or something like that. But Jesus Christ, it was a party. It was like, uh, next on BBC Two, uh, the fantastic fun fest with Freddie Fullfingers. You know, like, oh, and these guys will come out, hey, Welcome, kids. Hello, this is a friend. Woo, woo. Like all these kids in the background. Whoa, yeah. Oh, woo. Like music blaring, like kids dancing around, having a great time. Here's a cartoon of, you know, fucking uh, uh, Freddy the Flamingo. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, it was like, well, good morning. Oh, good morning, England. Like, you guys know how, you guys do it right here. Yeah, they, they have a so beat on morning. You know, all we get is like the news where, a couple of stiffs and suits and dresses are, are like, oh, and today in the news, you know, uh, Donald Trump said he was the best basketball player in the goddamn world. He actually tweeted some bullshit about that. What the fuck? Look at that fat fuck. Yeah, it's politics, Bob. Drop it. Okay, so yeah, great TV in Britain. Great TV and The Phantom Menace. That's what we did. Pubs, watched The Phantom Menace and watched British morning kids TV shows. Absolutely fantastic. So on to our next show. Our next show was in Leeds. It was slightly in the north of England on August 5th at a place called The Pack Horse with a band called Servo. Now, what a show. Servo, dude. Okay. Servo was already one of our, you know, mutual kind of group favorite bands. Um, they are fantastic. Rad. Like, dude, the British pop punk movement and music of the 90s of the 1990s had the united states beat so so hard i think like dude servo was fantastic um uh female fronted at the time um gosh what was her name again i can't remember her name but we met her obviously we played a show with them um yeah god the servo was fantastic fantastic now let's get to misconception uh misconceptions of great britain then this one is about the food you know kind of the 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 myth or the legend is that the food in great britain and england is and or england i should say is not that great it's fairly bland oh no 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 in leeds 
I had the best like noodles. It was they called it like curry noodles or something like that, right? That these guys that were putting on the show or booked the show or something like that um, had had made for us homemade. Then it was like almost like spaghetti noodles with like a spicy chili thing. Oh my god, I wish I knew how to make that. To this day, that was like some of the best shit I have ever eaten in my entire life. Oh my, I can't eat like spicy chili noodles, dude. They call them like curry noodles or something. Oh, well, they call anything like spicy curry in England anyways. So, and also later that night after the show, we got a burger from like a burger stand right next to the pub after the pub closed. Dude, that was like the best. Bur- oh, I was drunk too. Maybe it wasn't the best burger I've ever had in my life, but I remember then it was time. It, it was good. It was super good. Oh, Caroline, that was her name, the singer of Servo. Very nice, very nice young lady, too. Uh, But let's talk about that show a little bit, because that was absolutely, without a doubt, the hottest show I have ever played in my entire life. And I played in Arizona, like, in the middle of July, okay, outside, no air conditioning. Like, yeah, no, this, I almost fucking died. You know, I was 30 years old, and I was in pretty good shape then, too, for sure, Um and Jesus Christ, like I almost passed out. This room, it's the middle of summer. Okay, it's like 50-something degrees outside. It's cold as shit. In this room, there were no windows, zero windows, one door in and out. Everybody's smoking. Uh, doors closed. There's probably, I don't know, 200 people in this room that realistically should hold I don't know, maybe 150 people or something. It's packed as shit. Servo was really popular. They were a great band. Check them out. I'll, I, you know, again, somebody remind me. I'll post a link, maybe a video or something like that. If they have stuff on Spotify, I'll throw them on the Spotify plot list because they're rad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playlist, not plot list. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so that was the fucking, that was like 120 degrees in that room. It was gnarly. So um, that night on the way home, that was a pretty long drive, like a four-hour drive from Leeds to um, London, actually, we were going back to London. We drank with the Duvals. We had stashed some beers, drank with Dickie, you know, got dropped off at where Dickie, the house that Dickie lived in. And uh, yeah, he had no hot water in his house. So the next morning, I tried to take a bath, and they're like, oh no, just, you know, heat some water up on in this tea kettle and pour it. And I was like, oh, fuck it. Dude, I filled the bath, stood up to my ankles. And just like scooped water on myself because I couldn't do yeah like it's it's like fifty something degrees outside I couldn't I was not gonna sit my ass in this ice cube water and take a bath for fifteen luxurious minutes no I did it like you know I don't know what style that is but yeah I just like scooped stood there scooped water on myself and and washed and there you go so um, later that day we went out drinking again oh surprise surprise went to a pub. Went to see Fatty Jones. Now, we hadn't played with Fatty Jones yet, but we're going to soon. Dickie's band, right? Went to their practice and met all the boys in Fatty Jones. And the fellas that are in Fatty Jones, Golly, was on vocals. He was from Sunderland, the very, like, northern part of England. And those fucking guys, dude, they are so hard to understand. It's almost like this weird mix of, like, Scottish and English dialect. Well, Scottish people do speak English. But it's like a thick brogue, like, dude, they're gnarly, right? They're re- I wish I could do an impersonation. That's about as good as I can do. They're so hard to understand. And Golly was bad. He had, like, 
the worst accent. Um, so Golly's on vocals. Uh, Dickie played guitar. A uh, guy by the name of Dingo, who was Australian actually, played bass. And Andy played drums. And now Andy had a lot of questions for us because he was a massive Rocket from the Crypt fan. And I guess Davey went to like elementary school with John Reese or something and told him that. And he was like, oh, God, oh, can you get his autograph and send it to me? Like he loved loved Rocket from the Crypt. And he played drums left-handed, so his drums were backwards compared. Fucking English, right? Drive on the wrong side of the road, play drums on the wrong side of the drum set. God, you guys, get your shit together, you know? Be like everybody else, conform. Yeah, I'm kidding, obviously. Um, yeah, so we had a lot of questions about it. Uh, Dingo was crazy. Now, Dingo, a little side note about Dingo. About a year after that tour, uh, I had moved back to a town called Escondido in California where I kind of grew up a little bit. And um, Dingo and his girlfriend came out on holiday, came out to the United States. They had just they, – they first stop was Cuba – and at the time, we could not, if, as a United States citizen, you couldn't go to Cuba. And if they found out, like the State Department or whatever found out you went down there, you could get in pretty big trouble. But being British, no big deal. So they flew to um, Cuba, did their thing in Cuba for a while, flew into Tijuana, and then crossed the border and came up here. So Davey basically dumped them at my house. He's like, I got too much going on. Here, you babysit them. I was like, oh, shit. So the first night they show up, it's like a Friday night. They come to my house. Davey's got some Canadian people with him that he was hanging out with. This is like a year after this tour, by the way. This is extra special side note. And uh, Dingo and his girlfriend, I took my shoes off, okay, very important. And I had worked all day, was tired and pretty drunk, took my shoes off, laid on my couch, and fell asleep. Dingo's girlfriend, who's a guest in my home, by the way, shaved one of my fucking eyebrows off. Yes, Thank you, Dingo's girlfriend. I, I'm still pissed about it. I don't even remember or care to know her name. So I was stuck with these people for three fucking days. They stayed in my house after that, knowing all the while that I had been violated in my sleep and she shaved my goddamn eyebrow off. And, um, oh, they were all apologies the next day. She was like, I didn't know that you lived here. It's like bullshit. I was still fairly sober when you guys showed up and Davey introduced us and said, this is Bob. This is his house. This is where you're going to be staying while you're in the San Diego area. Ah, fuck. So yeah. Anyway, that's great. So yeah, Dingo was nuts and his girlfriend was a eyebrow shaving uh, jerk. Okay. I hope you guys are listening and still feel bad about this to this day. I really do. So that night after the, um, the Fatty Jones practice and pubbing that we were doing. Um, Dingo was going out partying because you can, you know, even though the pubs close at 11, there are places you can drink after 11. Uh, in those days, they called them Turkish bars because usually they were run by people from Turkey or of Turkish descent or whatever. And uh, let's go to the Turkish bar. Okay. So Ross adventured off with Dingo goodbye you know i'm not gonna go out getting drunk with that crazy australian no don't go drinking with australians there's something wrong with australians they're like gnarly people so i end up me and davy ended up going back to dickie's uh drinking with him into the wee hours still just talking about stuff having a good time so uh the next day here we are we're in london staying at dickie lived in london and, and i don't remember what neighborhood it was but regardless we're in london 
So let's go do some touristy stuff and see some things. So, um, yeah, they take us out. Paul, Dickie, the rest of the Duvals. Um, here we go. Let's cruise around London, boys, and see what we can see. Okay. All right, great. Um, we walked past Big Ben. There's Big Ben, boys. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, where's the pub? Oh, you guys want to go to the pub? Okay, it's right here. So literally, like, didn't stop to take pictures or do anything like that. Just walked straight to the pub. Went drinking. We did go to Trafalgar Square that day. Uh, we actually went to Buckingham Palace. Uh, we did. We got chips, which, you know, in American United States lingo is French fries. They're actually from Belgium. Did you know that? Yeah, I'm sure you probably do. And that's where I discovered how good vinegar is on fried potato. The, incredible. Wow. Uh, we ended up in a part of town, a part of London called Camden Town, which is kind of like the hipper part of town. You know, there's like a big Doc Martin store there and all this bullshit. Um, but there's a pub in Camden Town that we would go to every time that was fairly cheap. And we ended up at this pub like maybe three or four times after this and just drink all day and into the night. Oh, my God. We drank so much when we were there. It's insane. Like we had a lot of days off. And when we weren't playing, we'd get fu- well, we'd get fucked up when we were playing too. But um, this is where Paul, you know, roadie Paul, driver Paul starts to shine. He'd get really, really drunk, right? And then we'd be sitting outside or something like that. And they had like picnic table type seatings at this pub that we kept going back and forth to kind of thing. And it, random passerbys, he was shit-faced drunk, right, on the piss, I should say. Let's stay in character for this this England podcast. Uh, pe- random passerby would come by, and he'd say, All right, who wants to see a table slide? And I was like, what's a table slide? Well, it's when you run and jump onto a picnic table and slide on your belly across the whole thing and try and, like, basically land on your feet on the other side. Let's just say... Random passerby didn't always appreciate his uh, menstruations to them of uh, doing this table slide type of thing, but he did do it and he landed like on his head and fucking he was okay. But Jesus, <laughs> the guy was fucking, he was a handful, man. He was a handful, but he was fun as fuck. So also that night from Camden town, um, Ross and I had to take the bus by ourselves back to where we were staying and we were staying now we moved from Dickie's house to Howie and Andy's house, which was in a neighborhood in London called Hackney. And they all warned us. They said, uh, you guys should not walk around the streets by yourselves at night because this is the most dangerous neighborhood in London. It is absolutely the worst neighborhood in London. You will probably get fucking killed. We're like, okay, great. So they're like, okay, well... Um, I don't think Andy or Howie were there, you know, but everybody else was like, okay. And Dick, I think Davey was still staying at Dickie's house. They kind of split us up for more room. So we had more places to sleep or whatever. So, uh, yeah, they send me and Ross off on the bus, you know, like here, go, go to Hackney. The bus stops right in front of their house. Fine. You guys will be totally fine. Oh, we got completely fucking lost. Like got completely lost went like three or four bus stops past our, where we were supposed to get off because we didn't know where the fuck we were. No smartphones then. We didn't have a map of London. We had jack shit. We didn't even have an address to the house. Like, I don't think we knew anything about anything. And we got completely lost in what is supposedly like the worst neighborhood in London. Well, 
the worst thing that happened to us, we ended up walking around for like three hours until we found it. And Ross saved the day because he recognized at the end of the three hours, it was like, by the way, like 3 a.m. by that point, uh, Ross recognized where we were and we found the place. The worst thing that happened to us was a carload of guys drives by and a guy sticks his head out of the window and goes, hey, will you be my girlfriend? And that was it. So we got, yay, we got propositioned. Not bad. Not bad for the worst neighborhood in London, right? Shit, I'll take that any day of the week over getting shot at or stabbed. So we made it back to the house. Now, let's uh, let's get another misconception out of the way here in this uh, this tale of England. Uh, there's a misconception that the British all have bad teeth. That's wrong. Now, I don't stare at people's teeth as they're talking to me, but if they crack a big smile or something like that, you'll notice, and there's a lot of smiling people we're dealing with, everybody's teeth look fucking great. Uh, maybe because they had, like, dental care for free there. Hmm, that's weird. Yeah. I think people that live in uh, the United States, teeth are way more fucked up than their teeth. When braces are free and you get a free cleaning every year and yada yada, yeah, your teeth are going to look pretty good. So, you know, again, there you go. Propaganda against the British for absolutely no reason. Uh, Their teeth are fine. Yeah. So that's another misconception out of the way. So our next show was actually an acoustic show. I did not have to play. It was back in Cranley. And it was acoustic with Davey and Ross just playing some songs at the Little Park Hatch. And uh, we just basically, after, you know, got shit-faced again at the pub, went back to Justin's, watched Phantom Menace probably for the 30th time, and had a good time. So uh, after Cranley, the next show was in Oxford. And it was at a place called The Cooler that was on August 10th. And we It was the Devolves and Tilt Wheel. And at Oxford, we barely spent any time there. We, like, drove up loaded in, kind of watch this opening band kind of situation or whatever. Uh, they were sounded a lot like Nirvana, kind of grungy, but they were actually pretty good, whatever. I don't remember their name. I have their name. I, it's not really important at this point. Um, and then just drove home. I mean, it was like, yeah, all right, well, that was the show. Good. Now, important. The, okay, here's the big show of the tour, right? This is the one that was supposed to get us the record deal with whoever fucking whatever – label was gonna do it other than mother still because he was a small label i mean whatever but justin was very very adamant to us this show you guys need to be on your best behavior and play good because there are going to be probably some people there that are interested in maybe putting your record out or putting records out for you in all of europe and blah 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 this could open some door for you guys doors for you guys pardon me you know do good okay you guys it was at the Bull and Gate, which is, was in some neighborhood in London. I can't remember exactly where. Well, before the show, we went and had fish and chips because by this point, we're actually becoming English. We're adapting very well to the culture. Uh, and it was fucking delicious, too, dude. I know the misconception about British food being bad. Dude, fish and chips? Oh, God. That's like a huge wedge of deep fried fish, too. That's fucking delicious. Vinegar all over. Oh, my God. It's so good. So good. Yeah, now I'm getting hungry. I had to hurry this up. I need to eat, man. Um, yeah, so like I said, Justin's like, okay, you guys do not get fucking drunk tonight before you play like you've been doing every single night of this tour. Like stay s- somewhat sober so you guys sound good. What did we do? What do you think? We're tilt wheel. We went and got fucked up before we started playing. <laughs> like fucking, oh, we were at the bar for like, 
you know, I don't know. We got there fairly early, and I think we were the last band that was playing that night. And, oh, man, we got fucking shithoused, absolutely shithoused at this bar. A guy from San Diego who had come to a lot of our shows, Dwight, was there, too. I'm standing there. I'm going, do, do, do. Davey comes out. Hey, Dwight's here. It's like, what the fuck? Why are you here? He was like, um, I just came out on vacation. Also, I came here to see you guys. Like, wow, you're gnarly, dude. He would take like pictures at shows. Rat, dude, man. Super, super cool guy. But yeah, a guy from San Diego was at our show in London. Fucking weird as shit. And there was another guy there uh, from Denmark who came up to us before we played and was like, you know, I'm from Denmark. Like, I love Tilt Wheel. I'm so glad you guys. He fucking came all the way from Denmark to London to see us because we didn't go anywhere else in Europe, just England. That was it. Didn't go anywhere else in Britain. No Ireland, no Scotland, no Wales, no nothing. I mean, just England. Yeah, this crazy fool came all the way from Denmark to see Tilt Wheel play. Oh, and he was absolutely insanely nuts. While we were playing, he was like jumping and running all over the stage and like grabbing Davey and grabbing Ross. Like, oh yeah, he was a fucking nut job. Well, that explains why he came all the way from Denmark. So that was our first show with Fatty Jones too, by the way, and the Duvals all at once. Um, it was a big show. There was a ton of people. It was a big, huge place. The Bullen Gate in London. They actually had like a live internet feed that you could watch on your, you know, dial-up modem at home that would take an hour to load. So we had probably been done playing for like three hours before it actually got to your house. But it was cool. Yeah, so Dwight and this Danish guy, that was a memorable show. It was a crazy show. We got shit-faced against Justin's uh, wishes. Sorry about that, Justin. I think that's like the third time I've apologized to him in this podcast. So what does that tell you? Tilt wheel. Uh, Justin, you signed up. You signed up the wrong band for if you wanted good behavior. Trust me. Okay. So, yeah, that was a fun show. We didn't get anything out of it. So I don't know what was expected, but um, we did have a good time. And that's the only thing you can really ask for to get out of it. So um, let's get to another misconception about England and Great Britain in general here. Um that in pubs, they mostly serve warm beer. Oh, no, 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 absolutely not true. I think, the, you know, like I said, we're we're already veterans of the British pub scene at this point. We had probably been to, you know, I don't know, 30 pubs in like, what, how many days are we talking here? Like 11 days or something? Yeah, we pubbed it up. We were pub pros by this point. And um, no, I never had, I had like one beer that was warm and it was some kind of weird stouty kind of thing that was supposed to be warm. That's how you're supposed to drink it. But, yeah, that's a total misconception. No, all the beer I drank, the vast majority of it was cold. And always delicious. Beer, um, always, always delicious. So uh, let's move on to the next show we had here. And that show was in a town called Aldershot. Now, Aldershot was a was what they called an all-dayer. So it was, I don't know, there were like 10 bands or something that played of course, Fatty Jones and the Duvals. Uh, all, what's notable about Aldershot is the uh, town itself is the traditional home of like the British Army. Basically, the King's Garrison was there. It's about an hour or so outside of London. What the guys in the bands would tell us about Aldershot when we got there was back in the 80s, if you were a punk or whatever, walking around with a mohawk and a leather jacket and stuff, all the meatheads from the army would kick the shit out of you. So Aldershot did not have the best reputation, wasn't the best place to be a punk rocker. 
in all of England, more or less, because uh, it was Meathead Central. But it wasn't bad. I mean, whatever. We played in like a community center. Um, two things that I take away from that show. Uh, number one, it was the first and last time I ever had French beer because it was fucking absolute garbage after drinking like this fairly like good like English beer, you know, like Carlin and stuff like that. Um, also, you know, the beer that we drank more than anything, this is important to this podcast because this really kind of this whole thing has been about us drinking because that was kind of what we all we did there in England. Uh, the majority of what we did anyway was drink. Uh, Stella Artois, which is a Belgian beer, which there now the the English version of Stella Artois, totally different than what you can buy in the United States. Because when I got home, I saw it. I was like, oh, Stella. I loved Stella. It was just a really clean Pilsner, fairly light, easy to drink, you know, like 10 of without falling over when you're trying to walk kind of thing. What we have here is kind of like this weird skunky, like nasty shit. Yeah, this that's we drank Stella more than anything. So we drink this French beer. They brought us like a thirty pack of this French eleven ounce bottle. Oh, dude, it was like two percent alcohol or something. It was fucking ridiculous. I was like, God, no wonder the fuck you guys have been fighting wars with the French since the beginning of time because they can't make beer for shit. And you guys do know how to make beer here in in Great Britain. Yeah, yeah, man, fuck that French beer. So I had French beer first and last time. Never again. And Dickie actually got on stage with us for the first time with Tilt Wheel and played our Leatherface song, Bowl of Flies, that we covered um, that was on Battle Hymn. So, yeah, that was fantastic. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, we were in heaven. That We were so, so happy that he did that. Um, I do remember, though, him telling me, like, hey, mate, like, slow down, slow down. You're playing it way, way too fast. I was like, ah, sorry, that's how I play it. So, no, 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 slow down. That song is not meant to be played that fast, so I think we accommodated a little bit, <laughs> but yeah, it's still a fantastic moment. I'm glad that we got to do that. Um, also, we played, that show was the first, I think, and only show we played with Southpaw, which uh, was a band we were on the split with on Mother Stoat, our like, tour split 7-inch, and that gave me great uh, humor to uh, throw, you know, mix in here, here, and there, uh, because the the fellow that sang for Southpaw had a really bad buck teeth. So I, t I guess I should take back what I said about the British having bad teeth because this guy did have bad teeth. They were, so I'd go, oh, I'm the singer for Southpaw. Oh, you can't see me, so it, that's, uh, it doesn't work. Uh, anyways, yeah, I lied a little bit about the British having bad teeth. So the next show, uh, let's keep moving here. We're Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm getting up there in the time. Uh, we played in Brighton, Brighton Beach, right? Uh, beach Town. Uh, where on the flyer for the show, they said we were Tilt Wheel of Santa Cruz, California. Hmm, no, not really. Um, we're from San Diego. Yeah. All right. Here we're getting into the home stretch here, the last show of the tour. Um, it was on August 14th in a town called Darby. Again, another one of those British towns or English towns. I'm sorry. I keep mixing British and English. You know, that's same shit. You guys get my point, right? I hope so. Okay. We played in a town called Darby. It's spelled dirt. It looks, if you're just going to read it, it said Derby. D-E-R-B-Y. Okay, whatever. We played at a small pub called the Victoria Inn. And um, another little typo they had on the flyer for this show. Um, 
They called us Tilt Weasel. Tilt Weasel. That's pretty fucking funny, actually. Tilt Weasel. Oh, we're like this weird screeching weasel. Um, tilt, you know? Remember those guys from the Bay Area? Bay Area of, of Northern California? Tilt Weasel. Yeah, that was actually pretty good. Uh, yeah, that place was gnarly. Like, it was this tiny little pub in this town, Darby, um, that had, like, all pictures of all the bands that had played there, like, Oh my God! I think No Effects was up on there. Um, all kinds of crazy bands. Swinging Utters had just played there like a few months before we were there. That was a crazy, crazy show. There weren't that many people there, really, but we didn't give two fucks. It was us and the Duvals, and we got hammered. I mean, all of us did, and we just were like arm in arm while the Duvals were playing, and they were arm in arm while we were playing, like cheering, cheersing each other's the whole time. Oh, dude, it was. A great send-off. So uh, we stayed in that town that night, got just pissed, pissed, pissed the whole night. And, yes, that is the theme. I know, I know. Um, The next morning, we drove back to Cranley. Now, I should note, too, a couple of Davies' old friends that lived in L.A., old L.A. punks, a guy named Tracy and his wife, Debbie, had actually moved kind of to near Darby somewhere, and they went to the show, and the next morning we all went out to breakfast, Justin, Ross, Davey, and I, and Tracy and Debbie, to this little like kind of roadside cafe on the way back towards London and Cranley. That was, I don't know, like a three-hour drive or something like that. And, um, yeah, I got attacked by a goose there. Geese are mean as shit. I, I will say that for a fact. Uh, it was my last traditional English breakfast of the tour, which is so sad because, oh, dude, the English breakfast is so good. It's like beans on toast, which is basically like baked beans on a piece of toast. Um, sausages, which bangers, they call them. Like the sausage there was so ridiculously good. And eggs and oh my God, it's like heaven. Perfect breakfast when you're really hungover. Maybe that's why they do it. The beans on toast. Excellent, excellent. So yeah, we had the breakfast. Um, and did we did do a touristy thing on our way back to Cranley. We stopped at Sherwood Forest. Yes, at the actual Sherwood Forest. Because apparently Robin Hood was somewhat real. Sort of, kind of. He wasn't like this good guy. He was like a bandit, I guess. But yeah, he didn't rob from the rich to give to the poor. He just robbed from anybody who had fucking money. So, But there was a place called Sherwood Forest. We stopped there. And, uh, yep, the next day uh, we get back to Cranley. um, Chilled for a while. Went back to London. Uh, it was really it was our last night in England. Period. We were flying out the next day, so um, we went to a pub that was in an old like an 11th century church in London. Craziest place ever. It's just giant old church. And of course, yeah, we got shit house, but we got hung out with all the boys, all the Duvals guys. Um, Dicky, of course, was there. He was there pretty much the whole time, and. Let me just say a few things about the boys, especially the Duvals here on this part. We'll talk about Dickie in a minute for sure, but because um, it's it kind of like Dickie's very focal to this whole story, really. But um, So Andy of the Duvals, a singer, and he, while we were in England, what I remember the most about him is he did smoke weed constantly, like weed mixed with tobacco. He was the coolest dude. He was so mellow and nice. Well, he smoked a shitload of weed, so of course he was mellow. He was kind of like a poor man's Frankie Stubbs. He was like a 
skinny. He had a voice just like Frankie, this kind of skinny, balding, older guy. You know, we're 30. The dude was probably like 45 or something like that, right? Um, but he loaned me a couple rad books that I read while we were there. By One was by the guy who wrote Train Spotting. Can't remember his name. Didn't, you know, not really important to what I'm talking about. But yeah, Andy was rad. Super nice guy. Uh, Howie, the uh, bass player in the Duvals, uh, gave me a book because they all knew I was like super into reading because I was reading the whole time. It's pre-smartphone days, you know, and that's what I did in my spare time back then was read books, actual read, actual books. It's an interesting concept, isn't it? He gave me a book about the history of World War One, which at the time I was very into history, specifically like World War One, World War Two, you know, 20th century history. Uh, because his grandfather, now he was a little bit older of a guy too, maybe, I don't know, getting close to 40-ish. His grandfather fought in World War One, and his father fought in World War Two. His parents were older too, as well as he was older. His parents were a little older. Yeah, what a trip though. Like, yeah, he was, so his family, yeah, dude, that's gnarly. But he gave me this great, great book about World War One. So I'll never forget Howie for that. He was a very quiet guy otherwise. Real, but incredibly nice, dude. Now, Umby, Umby of the Duvals, uh, he liked to drink, just like us. So we fit in great with Umby. Umby was from Italy. He was Italian. He was an incredibly nice guy. Never forget, like, walking around this truck stop with him at, like, 2 in the morning, and we were sharing, like, the last beer we had and just back and forth talking. Like, he's a fantastic dude, man. I miss that guy. I miss all these guys. I really do because they are all so, so great. Um, and Stuart, lastly, the drummer of the Duvals, um, Stuart had gotten um, injured in a fight at a pub where he was a totally innocent bystander and got basically like curb stomped and broke his head, more or less. And he had got brain damage from it. So like one side of his body didn't work exactly right. But he was a great ripping drummer. Uh, Paul, the crazy roadie guy, was his his older brother. So that's Stu- Stuart, dude. Stuart was such an incredible, nice guy. On the last day, he gave me a Leatherface shirt that said Mac and Bastards on the back. Leatherface on the front. The pretty rare shirt. Like there's only, I don't know, there were only probably like 20 of them made. And I lost it. I don't have it anymore. But by the way, Mackham, England has like four people from certain regions. They have like these slurs that you use against people from those regions. I'm sorry. And Mackham is how you refer very insultingly to people from Sunderland, which is where Leatherface is from. Now, if you went up to somebody from Sunderland, didn't know them and said, hey, Mackham, They'd fucking punch you in the face. It's that insulting. Like I told Caroline from Servo when we played with them, the insult for people, um, they were from Newcastle, was to call them Geordies. So they're, they're like, oh, no, don't call anybody from Newcastle a Geordie. You know? So, of course, what I say, so I said, hey, hey, Caroline, how does it feel to be a Geordie? She's like, oh, my God, how, why would you say something? And I was totally joking. I'm like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. I was just joking. Like, and she was like, no, that's like a mortal insult. You don't say things like that to people. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, anyways. So, yeah, don't call people from certain regions in, uh, of England certain words because it's not cool. So, yeah, that's another thing they taught us. So, I, it's great to travel because you learn all kinds of new insults for people. Uh, whether you should use them or not. So, 
Um, so yeah, that's it for the England tour. Um, we flew home the next day and, uh, that's it. So that, that was a, God, that was a great tour. That was re- a bunch of dudes that we just became friends with, especially Dick. I mean, yeah, lifelong friends. And to add to kind of the bittersweet note of this podcast, once we got home, we didn't do much, but we had a show. This is now keep in mind, we got home around like the 16th or 17th of August. We had a show in early September, our next show. <coughs> excuse me, was at Brick by Brick in San Diego with Leatherface, of all bands, who we didn't see a lick of other than Dickie, who was no longer in the band, uh, the entire time we are in England, right? We never got quite as far up as where they lived because I believe they all still lived in the Sunderland area. Uh, we never saw them, but yeah, we played with them, you know, l- less than a month after we got home at Brick by Brick, at which Ross announced that was going to be his last show with Tilt Wheel, uh, which wasn't true because he did come back in uh, 2009, I think is when we all started playing together again, 2010, something like that. So that'll be on, you know, obviously as the Tilt Wheel history continues on through the throughout this podcast, that'll definitely come up. But uh, very bittersweet, 2000, that was really the end for us until a couple months later or a month or so later we got another bass player but that was the end of an era i mean the ross tilt wheel era had just come to a close when he left so um that was very sad for me and davy i mean we even discussed davy and i were like all right well what do we do you know, should we just break up at this point and start another band and do some play like some ramones punk bullshit thing or whatever you know or do a totally different because we didn't want to continue on with the tilt wheel kind of sound or whatever we just but we were like fuck should we just end it and we didn't I mean we eventually you know started playing again after about a month of Ross being gone uh, which is good because like I said he did come back but truly the end of an era I was so sad to see that happen um, so on that note let's talk about Dickie just for a few minutes before this is all over because Dickie was so so pivotal to our experience in England and what we did and um that he I don't know what to say about Dick I mean I really don't um he he touched all of us and you know I hate to say cliche sounding things but he really did touch all of us in such a special way like I can't think of anybody else that I've ever met that after knowing him for such a short period of time felt such like a kinship with almost like he was like you know he eventually Dickie ended up joining Till Wheel and played a couple fest shows you know more's a pity that I did not play those shows with him at least I did get to play uh, Bowl of Flies with him while we were in England which was really kind of a lifelong dream so um, yeah we we really all became lifelong friends with Dick after that um, like I said, he was in Tilt Wheel, played a couple fests. He he was such a kind man. I don't know how to stress enough uh, his the size of that man's heart was absolutely ten times bigger than his body. I mean, he was such a sweet, kind man in my experience. You know, um, you know, keep in mind too. You know, before we met him, we worshipped the ground that he wor- he walked on. I mean, we. We listened to Mush. We listened to every Leatherface record we could get our hands on nonstop. All three of us truly 
were absolute fanatics about Leatherface. And here we find out, like, we're going to England to tour. We're touring with a band that, that one of the Leatherface guys, Dickie Hammond, no less, the most incredible guitar player in the world, right, to us. Uh, still to this day, in my mind, really, Davey and, and Dickie are tied for me. And that says a lot because, I mean, I listen to a lot of shit, really. And those two guys are have, will always be my favorite guitar players. And they are both tied. Dickie is so, so incredible. Um, but yeah, keep in mind, we worship the ground that he walked on, dude. Um, when we uh, met Dickie, you know, it was kind of like, that. oh, you know, he's like an idol. No, no, he, we felt so comfortable with him and had such a great, great, great time hanging out with him. He was a very, very special guy. Now, you know, it, we were sad for him because he wasn't in Leatherface. Frankie and him were on the outs at the time when we were in England. And one night we were sitting around talking. I think it was just me. No, I think maybe all three of us were there, Davy Ross and I. And Dickie was literally in tears that Frankie wouldn't talk to him anymore, that they didn't have a relationship because they were like brothers. I mean, if you listen, listen to any Leatherface song and you hear a Frankie and Dickie Leatherface song and you hear that weird like, um, kind of playing different song guitar playing that they have going on. It's such an a insane dynamic of a song. I, I've never heard another band that can do that like they do. That's what makes them so special. And Dickie's, fuck, God, damn, that guy was the best guitar player, man. I, no, the world will never, never, ever, ever see another Dickie Hammond. That's all there is to it. But yeah, one night he was, I mean, he was crying, literally in tears, so upset that Frankie wouldn't talk to him because he said, why wouldn't Frankie, why isn't he here? Why isn't he hanging out with us? Davey and Frankie had already been in communication a little bit and it was because of Dick, you know, and they, he just couldn't, he w didn't want to be around him. So it, that broke Dickie's heart. That really did. Now, the good thing is eventually they did reconcile and Dickie did start playing in Leatherface again until they broke up for pretty much the last time in 2013. So Dickie was larger than life, man. He really was. I remember, you know, a good little Dickie story. Um, uh, he, um, he made us breakfast one morning. Um, he made us um, fish sticks and beans on toast. And <laughs> sorry, I'm like, it, it's emotional. You know, it's right. It is because he's, he was, uh, he was something else. Uh, he made us fish fingers, which are fish, fish sticks, and uh, beans on toast for breakfast. And um, he did make us breakfast a couple times. He is saying, hang on just a sec. So yeah, talking about Dickie is, uh, it's not the easiest thing in the world. For me, I'll just say that it's fairly emotional. So any apologies? Um, yeah, I don't really apologize, honestly. I'm speaking from the heart kind of thing, to be totally honest with you. So the next time after the England tour, uh, we saw Dickie about 10 years later, right? sometime around 2010, maybe 2011. I think I Willow and I had gotten married or I'm not too sure. But anyway, um, he came to San Diego. He came with his girlfriend, Siobhan, who's such a super rad person. Like that was the first time I met Siobhan and Siobhan is awesome. Um, we're still friends, of course, to this day. And she's a fantastic person. Um, first time I met her. So and Dickie played um, some acoustic, very spur of the moment, too. We're like, hey, let's go down to 11. I think it was 11 then, a bar off Elkhorn Boulevard, kind of 
North Park area in San Diego. Um, and Dickie, Ross, and Davey all played some songs. And Dickie played three or four Leatherface songs acoustic. And, oh, my God, that was one of the most beautiful fucking things I have ever seen in my life. So I'm so glad. Oh, I was so glad to see. It had been like 10 years since I saw him. It felt like I had just been with him yesterday. That's the kind of guy he was. Um, you know, that's that's the kind of friendship that we en- I ended up building with him. I know Davey maintained contact with him forever, and they were good friends. And, yeah, Dickie, man, oh, God, I, I have to find – I have all those songs on video. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully I will find them and post them on the webpage when this comes out. So – yeah, that was uh that was the last time I actually saw Dickie. Um never saw him again though. He did play with Tilt Will a couple fests that I was not able to go to. But he and I talked on Facebook uh, pretty much every week and he would send me messages, you know, I would talk to him. Um we would talk about our kids like when my son was born, the day my son was born, he um he sent me a message um saying congratulations uh, to me for the birth of my son to me and my wife so because he met Willow uh, that day that he played you know when he was in San Diego so um, he would send me messages about how he missed his son and yeah that's harsh man he's gone his son was like 15 years old uh, uh, Richard Eric Hammond passed away on uh, October 30th of 2015 uh, Davey actually called me. He was at Fest at the time, and he called me to tell me that he had passed. So, <sighs> oh, fuck, excuse me for a second. Yeah, apologies. I had to pause it for a second because I was kind of losing it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. That, that's, that's it. Um, yeah, the world hasn't been the same since Dickie left it. Yeah, it's the very young age of 50 years old on October 30th, 2015. So I miss you, buddy. I really do. I really do. Um, Okay. So that's other than me falling apart. <laughs> that's the end for this one. Um, I probably did miss a few things, but I think I got all the key points down. Boy, yeah, we're an hour, almost an hour and a half in. I'm sorry these podcasts have been getting longer and longer. It's like, I guess I have a lot to say, so... Um, the England tour was so, so much fun. It was so special. It really was, like, so very special uh, to me, and I think to Ross and Davey it was as well. I uh, Thank you so much, all the guys and the Duvalls and Fatty Jones, and a super huge thanks and love to Justin and Helen Bishop for taking care of us while we are there and all the hospitality and also um, Justin's mate, Andy, his best mate. Andy was a rad dude. I loved hanging out with him too. So I met so many great people there. Um, I hope you enjoyed my stories, you know, um, like I said, other than me, like falling apart at the end, it's a hard subject, you know, I, I apologize, but, um, here we are, we're good. Um, yeah, coming up some good stuff. So should have be talking to some bands from fest. I have a, a couple lined up now should have a few, uh, it's going to be, we got some good stuff coming up in the future for sure. You know, like I said, should be talking to Graham Philskirk here soon. Graham permitting, which I we already discussed. I think he's down for for sure. Maybe, hey, maybe a talk with Frankie Stubbs in the future. You know, we'll see what happens. So I love doing this podcast, you guys. I really do. Uh, it's so fantastic. 
that I get to talk to all these incredible people and have had all these incredible incredible experiences in my life to be able to talk about on this podcast. So I'm so, so thankful and grateful for the life that I've had and the life I continue to have to this day. Don't ever take life for granted. Uh, it's a big deal. So, uh, and I miss you so much, Dick. Anyway, <clears throat> here at the end, the name of the song is Stalingrad, um, with Dickie Hammond on guitar and vocals. And, uh, thank you and good night. This world